You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling oops, Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammerker with Belle Garcia. Belle's back. back. For those who <laughs> complained about an hour of me talking, <laughs> Belle is back with us this week um, after some difficulties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, we've got some important stuff to go over, some good stuff, yeah, some I, bad stuff. We some say stuff mixed that, bag a lot, and I think that we definitely have some more of that this week. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a good example of that, but especially coming off of what took place yesterday, it might be especially more of that. So yeah. uh, taking all, all that in consideration, we're not yet in week one of the regular season uh, for the Seahawks, but we do have an official 53-man roster. That can definitely change mm-hmm. as the season goes throughout all 17 of its long regular season weeks. But we have an initial roster, so why don't we take a look at that? Obviously, this is a lot. We'll have all of the names for you on the screens broken down by position, uh, but uh, let's just take a look at some of the more notable ones as yeah. we go down through just, I guess, every position. I mean, looking at, of course, the quarterbacks here, we knew what we were going to have there in that position. Of course, it's Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Um, moving on to our running backs, we have Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Kenneth Walker III. Um, for receivers, of course, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin, Penny Hart, Dariq Young. Um, tight ends, Will Disley, no offense, Colby Parkinson. Offensive line, we have, of course, our Charles Cross, <laughs> um, Abraham Lucas, Jake Kernan, Stone, Forsyth, Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes, Austin Blythe, and Kyle Fuller. So any notable names there that you would like to talk about? Not necessarily. I mean, like you said, I know that we were going to have Gino. I'm kind of surprised there's no third quarterback on the initial roster. I know that yeah. we'll get to the practice squad here, and that's where in lies the third quarterback. Um, but no, I mean, there's no real surprises to me. The tight end room looks solid. I'm happy with that. I guess to see, uh, the receiver room we look at, you know, obviously Tyler and DK will be there. D. Eskridge, I think this is a really big prove it year for him because what I believe he was drafted in 2019 or 20 and things just haven't really worked out so far or maybe even 2021, but things, I know he's, he's kind of like, He's been on this team, he hasn't produced. And whether that be injury or whatever, um, who's the third wide receiver in that spot? Is it going to be him? Does he shut my mouth? Or maybe Marquise <laughs> Goodwin, who's been a guy that's impressed through training camp, is someone that takes that spot. Derek Young makes a 53-man. I know we talked about Mo- Bo Melton. The running back room, it looks like a solid running back room if it stays healthy. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, obviously guys that are supposed yeah. to be leaving, leading that room. But DJ Dallas is someone that I've liked through the preseason mm-hmm. offensive line. Charles Cross is going to be on this roster for a long time. I feel like, um, and from what I can understand is that Abe Lucas, um, has been kind of working the right tackle, starting right tackle spot. So you're going to have rookie tackles, um, 
But I think that if you can really make something out of them, you're going to have some bookends on the offensive line for a good amount of time. So that's that's solid, right? That's mm-hmm. not something we necessarily had yeah. with Russell Wilson ever. Kind of funny that that came via a trade where we got those picks. Right. But no, no, no surprises to me on offense necessarily. There are some guys that got cut and didn't come back that I was kind of like, huh. I mean, I would have imagined you'd be on the roster in some capacity, but I'm not necessarily surprised that you're gone. Well, and there were some that they planned on getting back on the practice squad, right? But yeah. it didn't pan out that way. Different situations. Yeah. Guys might want to try out different spots, yeah. more of an opportunity somewhere else. So, you know, again, uh, to me, not necessarily anything. Did anything surprise you? No. And you say prove it year. And honestly, it kind of feels like that for the team as a whole. Um, mm. I know uh, people were surprised by DK Metcalf not m- making the top 100. Yeah. So it just kind of feels like a prove it year for several players, even if it's not your first time playing. So, yeah. And I, I think, I think that's important in, in the light that, you know, this is a team that I know they said they want to be competitive, but this is like a, Hey, there's not this guy where number three on offense. There's not this guy where number 54, you've got your opportunity to really stand out mm-hmm. and stick out and be the face of this team. So I, th- I look at it in that regard in a way because it's like, all right, which one of you is going to step up and command more money or respect more of a leader, more of a role, right? Because it's like, hey, I don't think anything's given right now. Right. So it'll be really interesting to see that. Yeah. We move on to our defensive line, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Brian Moan, Miles Adams, Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris, LJ Collier, linebackers, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, Nick Bellore, Daryl Taylor. Uchenna? Uchenna. Uchenna. Okay. Uchenna Nuosu. Boye Mafe. Yes, I knew I was going to say it right, but I wanted to emphasize it. But thank you. <laughs> I told you you didn't have to go through all the names. <laughs> um, cornerbacks, of course. Kobe Bryant, Artie Burns, Sidney Jones, Michael Jackson. <laughs> wow. I know that got some... <laughs> like there was a... Uh, when the Seahawks posted the 53-man roster on Facebook, there was like a lot of laugh emojis on Michael Jackson. Yeah. They're like, I hope he moonwalks if he gets a pick <laughs> oh, six or something. Um, and then we move on to our safeties. Quandry Diggs, Jamal Adams, Josh Jones, Ryan Neal. Uh, specialist Michael Dixon. Is that... There's a name that's been getting a lot of... Um, I don't know if... It might not be it. But there's been a name that's been getting a lot of um, attention and I'm not sure if it even falls in the NFL. So we'll skip over that. Anywho, um, anybody there that's notable to you? No, it's funny with the specialists because if there's three guys, they didn't bring another punter in or kicker or long snapper. They just had their specialist room. They kept it. Um, safety, no. Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams are going to be your guys. Ryan Neal has been a guy that's contributed when one of those guys has been injured. The cornerback room is a little bit intriguing to me because obviously Mr. Bryant's there. You look at, look at that list. You've got Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen are guys that are rookies Mm -hmm. and they could get significant playing time. Sidney Jones, Justin Coleman are guys that have been around the league a decent amount. Coleman had a career year in Seattle in 2018. I believe it was Uh, Mike Jackson and John Reed are guys that have been in the league, but haven't really seen like decent success. Michael Jackson, I thought played really well in the preseason. (laughs) Uh, linebacker is interesting because it's like, okay. And there's a guy that's not on that list that we're used to seeing who steps up. You've got Jordan Brooks. I'm sure will be your inside linebacker, but with the three, four defense, Nuosu, Mafe, Robinson, Taylor will be guys that are rushing. Mm-hmm. So who's because it's three, four, four linebackers. Who's right. your other inside? 
Is it going to be Cody Barton? It'll probably be Cody Barton, just looking at it now. I wouldn't expect Nick Malor to get much, uh, too much play there because he's been used more as a fullback. Okay. Um, he's kind of like that weird hybrid. Yeah. Um, D line, D line's interesting. Uh, Shelby Harris, you know, from that Russell Wilson trade, Puna Ford's a guy that sticked out. Al Woods has been a veteran that's contributed just about everywhere he's been. Quinn Jefferson back with the Seahawks. LJ Collier, though, talked about it, I think, last week or maybe the week before. And this is a guy that, same with the Eskridge, you're, you're, you got to produce sooner mm -hmm. rather than later. And to, after, if you don't, I don't think your chances are uh, going to continue uh, with this team. Sure. very much after that so on the physically unable to perform list trey brown john radigan ben burr kervin injured reserve is cody thompson tyreek smith lj collier practice squad we have another quandary on the team <laughs> two quandaries. Uh, yes quandary like, <laughs> mosley yeah uh jj arcega whiteside greg Allen, kate johnson by jones tyler mabry and i'm just gonna let y'all read over that list there Bo melton is the one that i was looking for okay. with that sean mannion's gonna be our quarterback on the practice squad he's been there i think he had a previous stint with seattle um but Bo, Bo melton's the one that sticks out to me on that list just because he was always like hey is Derek young or Bo Melton going to make this list, or one of those guys will end up on the practice squad. Right. Bo Melton ends Bo up on Melton the practice squad. Uh, notable roster cuts that didn't come back. Jacob Eason. I know there was a lot of surprise on that one. So I was a little bit surprised. I would have hoped that he would have made the the practice squad just because he's a local guy. Right. He spent a year at UW. Um, he signed with Carolina, mm -hmm. I believe. He so did. interesting yep. there. I mean, that's its own interesting quarterback debacle. Yeah. Aaron Fuller is also a UW guy. Freddie Swain is a guy that's contributed for this team. I think he had four touchdowns uh, in 2020 with the Seahawks. Uh, he had he didn't have a bad year last year, but I think Marquise Goodwin might have eked him out of that spot as well as some of the younger guys like Melton, like Young. Mm -hmm. And then Marquise Blair. I really liked Marquise Blair Aww. coming out of college. He was a really hard hitter, athletic, um, but he just had some some horrific injuries. I think knee stuff and just like it was like back to years um i think he got injured in the first game against the in, in the uh monday night game i think it was no sunday night against the patriots in 2020 and then 2021 early on in the season another season ending injury early on it's like back to back years with something like that it's tough that is tough and you know with with the way that money goes and with the way that you know you bring in younger players you might be the odd man yeah. out yeah so it's it's tough there uh, team claims two players off of the wa waivers on cut day. Uh, Isaiah Dunn from the New York Jets and Daryl Johnson from the Carolina Panthers. So we'll move on to some league news here. Uh, of course, we're facing the Denver Broncos in week one. Well, the Denver Broncos decided they wanted to keep Russell Wilson for a few years. <laughs> um, he inked a five-year extension worth $245 million, including $165 million guaranteed, and becomes the second highest paid player per year in NFL. So it was really interesting to me with this deal because it's a lot of money, right? And you're like, okay, you know, if he was still on this team and he wanted to stay, would that's a lot have? of money to command. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Would that would John Schneider and Pete Carroll said, yeah, let's give them that kind of right. money. The talk about it, I think the way that it's structured is it does give Denver some room to bring guys in. And then the press conference is like, oh, we wanted to be able to bring guys in. We wanted to be able to have we wanted this a spot to be for free agents and stuff. I'm like Okay, Russell. Um, I don't know. I know that there was some talk 
these last few years where Russell said he would restructure his contract for uh, Dwayne Brown. But I don't know. It's really interesting, you know, just with the way the contracts go and how to, having to pay guys. Hey, that's Denver. That's Denver money. And we'll have to face them coming up here. Yeah, so. that'll be interesting. So just like you said, we'll face them September 12th. Denver Broncos coming here. Um, that's a 5.15 p.m. game. And it's our Monday night football game of the week. So it's like I, the one of the only games we'll get on prime time this yeah, year. So let's enjoy yeah. it, I guess. And I know we are, we'll be back here the game day, but I'm going to ask you now, um, how do you think that game pans out for us? <laughs> no, this is a bad roster. Uh, but I think just because of the way the game is, you know, Pete Carroll always gets his team up for games like this. Uh, I think there'll be some fight. I think it'll be closer than people Expect. imagine yeah. it to be. I am hoping it'll be a one possession game. Um, but I think I think it'll be I think it'll be scrappy. Yeah. I think the Seahawks will be scrappy in this one. Um, but I think this is like their Super Bowl. You know, this is the biggest <laughs> chance they're gonna get. Yeah. Probably all year. So that's where I'm looking at it with this. All right. We'll move on to some more good news here. Our Seattle Mariners. More good news. Well, the season, the football season coming close. So, you know, that's, that's good, good news. Point. Yeah. That's good, point. good luck on your foot, uh, fantasy teams. Matt, yes. Matt specifically back there. Matt, good luck on your fantasy teams. And Tony of you, good luck on your fantasy teams. You don't want to end up like the guy I saw earlier today who had a sign that said, I suck at fantasy and people were honking their horns at him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess in, in, in good news, we continue over to our Mariners here who had a six-game road trip in the Midwest. I really hope some of these teams invest in, in uh, yeah. roofs. I know they're decently expensive, but considering that Cleveland gets more rainfall during the baseball season than Seattle... It Come makes on, sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, we look over here to the first series uh, of the past week. Uh, the Mariners took on the Detroit Tigers for three games and would complete a three-game sweep, as you can see the broom on the Tigers logo there. Uh, game one, August 30th at the Tigers, a 9-3 win. Player of the game, first baseman Ty France with three hits, three runs, and two RBIs, a solo homer to boot. Not to jinx nothing, but Ty seems to be finding his groove again after mm -hmm. having a streak of a slumpy, a slump. Uh, August 31st at the Tigers, the Mariners would win that one 5-3. to three. Uh, Our player of the game is second baseman Abraham Toro. Yes, Toro's back, and we'll get to that Toro. roster move there with two hits, one run, and three RBIs. Toro would hit a two-run homer to put the Mariners ahead, and Seattle would never look back from that lead. The September 1st day game against the Tigers started at 10-10. Oh. I was asleep until about the sixth <laughs> inning. I slept in. I accidentally did that. The Mariners didn't care. They would win that game 7 to nothing. Uh, player of the game, once again, Ty France, two hits, one run, two RBIs, and a solo homer. So Kai, Kai, Ty continues to really seem to be hopefully finding that groove and hopefully can stay in that sort of groove um, to complete that sweep over the Tigers. We head over to Cleveland against the Guardians. The Cal Raleigh series? Oh. <laughs> it's I mean, you're not wrong. And we'll get to why Bell said that. Uh, but this is a team that you had just beaten uh, in the four-game set during the last homestand. Cleveland is holding, like grasping holding on to their their lead in the uh, AL Central, I think by only a, two games over the Twins and a few games over the White Sox. So it's like if they keep falling, um, then they would move into the playoff race uh, and the Twins would take the uh, Central Division lead. Um, but Cleveland, two of their starters during this series got put on IR. 
right before the series yeah. started. So we yeah. had to face some rookies. You can see the little broom there. It means a Another sweep. Back-to-back brooms is nice. September 2nd at Cleveland was a 6-1 to win to open the series. Third of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh, California, two hits, two runs, four RBIs, and his second career multi-homer day. September 3rd at the Guardians, a 4 to nothing win. Played the game once again, California Raleigh. Uh, Caleb Raleigh with one hit, one run, one RBI, and a walk. So Cal fills up the stat sheet. And then September 4th at the Guardians, a 6-3 to win in 11 innings. This game... Went uh, eight hours, Yeah, right? technically <laughs> was eight hours because of the rain delay in yeah. Cleveland. There were like... There was a decent amount of rain. The teams basically had to play this game through, though, considering the fact that this game impacts both of their playoff races. Um, They could have pushed it back to, like, September 26th, but then the Mariners would play 20 games in 20 days. Yeah. Um, So they played this one through, and it got, like, it started. This was a game that started, I believe, at uh, 1240 our time and restarted 510 our time. Uh, restarted eight ten Cleveland time, so, and then went into extra innings, and then well. went into extra innings. Yeah, <laughs> so I think this game—I mm, could be wrong, but it might have finished after Sunday night baseball. That game finished, so it was a long day. Um, not to ruin the streak, and I'll give Cal his due, but our, I went with Cal uh, Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez for play of the you game. Did. Four hits two runs, an RBI, and a solo homer earlier in the game. Cal did hit a two-run jack to really give the Mariners some insurance run after J.P. Crawford's uh, go-ahead, I believe it was a single. Um, I I don't know. What do you say about this team? I mean, they sit – I know that this is uh, a number, and I don't like necessarily just banking off of odds, but the Mariners sit at a 99.5% chance to make the playoffs. According to fan graphs, they currently have the number one spot in the wild card, which would mean they would host at maximum three games here at home. Um, you're playing well. You know, your offense is finding more of its groove. I know the last home stand, I really complained that you're only hitting home runs, which home runs are fine. Don't get me wrong. Ball go far. Everybody, woo. <laughs> but you got to be able to manufacture more than just the long ball and can't be yeah. dependent on that. Yeah. Your pitching continues to be great, which has been your calling cut all year. And you're doing so. Um, your lineup today looks a little different. And we'll look at that uh, later if you follow our coverage. Um but I don't know. How are we feeling about this team? I mean, we we mentioned it, I think, on June 19th. They sat 10 games below 500. In the 66 games following that, they're, I believe it was, what, 47 and 19 is the number? So this team has the pitching. They've got really one of the best defenses in baseball. They've got guys that can hit, that can mash. Um, and they seem to be finding more of that groove offensively. I mean, wh- what are we thinking? Well, I've been told that based off of the coming games, it makes sense that we have that 99.5% chance because I think we play yes, eight games that are teams above 500. There might be more about, I think the someone, it was a few days ago, uh, that the there are 20 games where you play teams that are not in the playoff spot. Exactly. Um, but also what factors into that is that the teams that are in the wild card race and in the playoff race as a whole, Tampa Bay, uh, Toronto, Baltimore, Boston. Boston's kind of a far shot. Mm-hmm. But all of those teams play each other a lot yeah. in this month of September. Like Toronto and Baltimore start playing themselves. Um, 
even New York, New York once had like a 15 game lead in their division. Their lead is only four games now. Ooh. So the Yankees could drop to fighting for a wild card spot, that would which be is crazy. pretty wild. Their, their slump has been bad since the all-star game. Um, and ours hasn't, we have not had a slump after the all-star game. So yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. There are some factors to that, but I, I no rest for the weary. I am not, confident in things until we see the gigantic uh until this little thing down here makes it so official instead it. <laughs> of asking how you feel about the chances um so no i mean it's really it's been a lot of fun and the next homestand should be fun you play the white Sox, uh the padres come to town and they've got a really stacked mm -hmm. roster atlanta uh world series champs last year and still have a lot of talent so that's what eight games you think you play i think that I know we're not looking it up next right now, but over the course of those eight games, if you can at minimum just go even, go four and four, that's solid. Sure, great. If you go five and three or over, you're cooking with gas, man. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with our baseball. Um, we will now head over to California Raleigh. He's our <laughs> player of the week, which, I, you know, I think Bell would have, left the show if I didn't do that. Uh, player of the week, why did you go with Cal for player of the week? Was it that stretch in Cleveland? Uh, it was, was definitely else? a stretch in Cleveland. Vicky Mantle just like showed oh up goodness. for a, the whole series against the Guardians. I mean, it was nice to get that other broom there for that second series. And yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised, as I mentioned, that you went with Julio for that September 4th game yesterday because Cal did send us home and kept it to only eight hours because it could have gone longer. <laughs> I Who really knows? would hope not, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think th that, you know, his recent continued surge is great. But since, you know, early in the season, he got sent down to Tacoma. He was hitting below 100 for yeah. an average, which... If you don't know, it was really bad. Um, and since then, you know, I, I, I've been critical of Cal. I'm like, okay, you know, the homers are great. He now has the most homers by a catcher in baseball. That was last night. I don't know if that's changed. Um, I think it's like him and Wilson Contreras. Yeah. But he continues to mash. I mean, his slugging, let's go back to this number. His slugging is what? What does that say? 1.33? That's insane. So his total OPS is 1.522. So Cal, yes, Cal continues to be great um, as a catcher. And this is, I mean, he's still relatively young. That's why I said at the beginning of the year, this guy at the catcher position has your most upside. Tom Murphy's fine, sure. He played really solidly at the beginning of the year before uh, season ending. Uh, Luis had solid power last year, just hasn't been able to put it together really this year at the big league level. So I was like, Cal is your guy. And at the beginning of the year, I'm like, shoot, this guy is not doing it too well. <laughs> and then he's been able to Steps put it together it lately. So that has been really huge for this team because, you uh, you know, I always like to look at the the lineup and say, okay, where are guys that maybe struggle? You know, um, Julio's young, so every once in a while, if he has a bad day, I can't really complain too much. Sure. You know, Ty had his – like when guys are in their slumps, who's who's, you know, might be that hole in your lineup? Cal less and less is that guy. What I like to see him, again, the power is great, you know, just overall getting on base, you know, if you can improve that. But again, that's something that can happen over the course over these from now until October, right? So I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Cal Raleigh this year. Uh, 
just hope that, you know, just like any other player that's on this roster, just continue to get better and better as the season goes on. So I, I don't blame you. He did have Big Dumper trending on Twitter yesterday. I just want to make that known. <laughs> it's officially been said on the show. If you don't see the banner below us, please, whatever your favorite Cal Raleigh nickname is, please let us know. Maybe we'll have a poll or something. Uh, but yes, Cal, whatever you like to call him, has had a really solid season so far this year. Uh, we move over to injury-related news. On the 29th, infielder Evan White was reinstated from the 60-day IL and optioned to Triple A Tacoma. Evan's been doing solid in Tacoma. I really liked Evan White uh, over 2020, won a gold glove, had some power, just needed to work on his swing a little bit. 2021 really struggled with the swing, got injured, and I was just kind of been like, all right, kind of like with Jared Kelnick, stay in Tacoma, figure out your swing and just be consistent about it. Be better, you know, with strikeouts and, you know, he's working on, it. I don't think we see him by the end of the year. I think that's a conversation for next spring training next year, but I, I, it's good to see just because of the injury and just the bad luck he's had with that on the 30th, the team placed infielder Dylan Moore on the 10 day injured list, uh, which was retroactive to the 29th of August with a right oblique strain. He's in Seattle now, we don't really have much of an update yet. Try to get you that in the next few days. Uh, as a corresponding move, infielder Abraham Toro was recalled from AAA Tacoma. So that was the move there with that. That's how Abe joined the team again. I called him Abe. Hey. If you got a problem with that, <laughs> I'm going to ask him that. One of these days, this series, this homestead, I'm going to say, hey, do you mind being called Abe? And we will get to the bottom of that. <laughs> um, and then on September 1st, left-handed pitcher Matt Boyd, a Seattle native. He went to Eastside Catholic. I'm an O'Day guy, so I have a problem with that. But it's cool to see the Seattle native. Uh, Matt Boyd was reinstated from the 60-day injured list uh, as well with the September 1st call-ups. You can call up one pitcher and one position player. Outfielder Taylor Trammell was recalled from AAA Tacoma. So we head over to team-related news here as we kind of wade through the injury news and the roster-related moves. Uh, on the 3rd of September... Uh, George Kirby was named the AL Rookie of the Month for August, posting four wins, a 2.15 ERA, 29.1 innings pitched, 34 strikeouts, three walks, and a 1.13 uh, whip. So it's really nice to see young George uh, doing well. Mm -hmm. I know that was something that I was unsure about at the beginning of the year was, who's your fifth starter? And at the beginning of the year was Matt Brash. Brash has now transitioned over to the bullpen and is doing well in that role. Kirby was a guy that, again, I always, maybe that's my thing. I get worried if you don't play in AAA. I'm like, you haven't faced the closest level. You just skip the level. It's like, if you right. ever skip a grade? Yeah. I'm like, uh. Are they not going to have the knowledge that they need to move forward? Are yeah. you going to be able to make those adjustments? You know, and George, you know, has done that. Pete Woodworth, the pitching coach for the Mariners is a absolutely brilliant he's done a really great job with getting the most out of guys uh like chris flexen and paul sewold guys that came from the mets guys that you know maybe have seen as outcasts you know paul sewold uh diego castillo was a solid reliever before then matt boyd is doing well you know this pitching staff does a great job and to have a guy like kirby who throws a lot of strikes doesn't walk people often and is only going to get better that's exciting to see and to see guys to have two rookies that have won rookie of the month and Julio and now George is kind of cool. It gets you excited about youth movement. So congratulations to Jorge for that. Um, don't, Oh no, I apologize. I was going to say there's no league related notes, but there is one little thing. I do apologize if I can find it. Small thing. 
the Giants and Padres will be playing in Mexico. Ah. Uh, the San Francisco and San Diego will make history next year when they play a two-game series on April 29th and 30th uh, of next year in Mexico City at Alfredo Harp Halu Stadium. So that That's is cool. kind of cool. Yeah. As the I think next year, uh, two teams will be playing in London. So London, oh, Mexico, Mexico City, where else are we going? I know that mm-hmm. later in this year, some major leaguers are going to South Korea. So the team, the league really is trying to expand itself internationally, awesome. which is good to see. Baseball's fun. I know it's slow. I know this and that. It's fun. It's a lot of fun, especially with this team. Uh, so we look at the current record and standings. The Mariners, that's wrong. The Mariners sit at a 76 win, 58 loss record. They are second in the AL West. They're 10 games behind Houston. I doubt that'll move anywhere unless Houston goes on a miracle <laughs> slump, which I would love. Uh, they sit at first in the American League wild card, a game ahead of Tampa Bay and two games ahead of Toronto. So build that lead. Uh, looking ahead, as I mentioned, so decent homestand, eight games. Uh, the week ahead of us is September 5th through 7th versus the White Sox. Today is a 340 start. So this whole game has already started by the time this episode comes out. Yep. September 6th versus uh, Chicago is a 640 start. So we get back to normal. Uh, and then September 7th, the Wednesday game is a 110 start. September 9th versus 11th versus the Atlanta Braves. The 9th versus Atlanta is a 640 start. The 10th is a 610 start. And the 11th is a 110 start. That day is actually when a lot of football starts. Um, mm. So a decent homestand as we uh, look ahead through this month of September. This is where we get sad. This is where things get worse. Uh, I do want to say, if you haven't noticed from other outside posting or the blogs, Bell and Matt were actually in Las Vegas for game two of this series. Wish it would have been a better result, but Bell and Matt can give you a little bit more insight than I can about game two. Both of all of us were at game three versus the aces, unfortunately. So let us dive in yeah. to our WNBA playoff semifinals, Storm versus Aces. Unfortunately, they were both losses on the 31st at Las Vegas. It was a five-point loss, 78 to 73. Our player of the game there is, of course, Brianna Stewart. She had 32.7 rebounds and three assists. On September 4th, they would come back and play in Climate Pledge. And that was another loss in overtime, um, 110 to 98. That one, not so close. Uh, player of the game, once again, is Brianna Stewart with 20 points, 15 rebounds, and six assists. So I'll go back to that Wednesday game in Las Vegas who's, that felt like it could have still been very much a win by the storm. Um, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, they did their thing, but it was still only a five-point loss. And Tina Charles and Brianna Stewart carried the load that day. Um, so we really just... it felt like we needed that third person to step up on offense. Mm-hmm. And Joel Lloyd was in a bit of a slump that game. Um, so we move on to yesterday's game where they had five players in double figures at one time on the court. Um, and it felt like Brianna was getting the help she needed on offense. To an extent. Um, yeah, yeah, to an extent. Things felt like they started to click in the second half. And... That fourth quarter, I mean, it's been like the fourth quarters previous to this game. Uh, nail biter down to the wire. Um, Sue hits a three to oh. get the two-point two lead with 1.1 seconds left on the clock. With uh, 0.8 seconds, the Aces call a timeout. 
Becky Hammond is able to draft up that last play that gets Jackie Young open for the layup. Now, I'm interested to see what your perspective is. You know, you've got your good basketball background. So there, you know, someone was talking to me about this. In that situation, I know that there was a whole wire. I think it was Ezzy. Why are Ezzy's hands back? You know, what was that about? Uh, it was brought up to me. Maybe they were, maybe Seattle was more focused on defending against the three there uh, because Vegas, I mean, they've been hitting contested shots. They're really good from the three. But also, is it more just you don't want to foul? I think that's what Sue said post game was that uh, Izzy was probably trying not to foul. Um, I know they had a foul to give. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, that was not even in the back of my head. That's um, what Sue was saying. She could be wrong, but it's Sue Bird, so I don't think she's wrong. No, with her basketball IQ and how much she's. What did, what did you think about that things. play though? Do you, you like, cause I'm, it's, it's really, cause you know, Sue hits that three. There was a lot of emotion. You and I shared that, right? <laughs> a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. And then in like a blink of an eye, Jackie Young, we're going overtime. Yeah. And I'm kind of like looking around at you. I'm like, what just happened? I think everybody was in shock, but I'm, and I'm going to spoil some news here coming up because as he did make all NBA defensive team for the second team. And so it, that's, that's not, I'm going to be a little hard on her because that's not something that I expected for her hands to go behind her back. And if you're going to defend someone in the paint, I think hands up is probably the best option because if your hands are straight up, you're not worried you're about not fouling. fouling. Yeah. Right. Well, in the, in the right world when someone gives you a bogus call. But in that moment, I don't think you can call anything yeah. like that. It's such a big part of the game. Yeah. And make Jackie Young have to make those free throws yeah. with pressure, yeah. with the game on the line. Yeah. Even if you were to get the foul that gives her the two shots. So I'm going to be hard on Ezzy. And yes, I don't think the hands behind the back was ideal. Well, and then that. is that a her decision or is that a coaching decision? Is she told don't foul? That's a good point. And I think Coach Quinn did take responsibility for those last few minutes of the game. So who knows? <laughs> Is this, was that a lost opportunity? I mean, just with, I think how big of, because I know people, I know we've got Tuesday, right? But just considering how good Vegas is, I mean, it didn't matter. You could, I could, oops. <laughs> hand in your face. Oh, and Chelsea Vegas, Gray was sinking them. Even, I mean, Rakana Williams in that right. fourth quarter, Asia Wilson is Asia Wilson. Kelsey Plum is Kelsey Plum. It's you, If you can get a game like this, you have to. I don't want to play five games against Vegas. You know, you can't stay in a slugfest against Vegas, really. I mean, if this Seattle team is on, on fire on from three, sure they can, but that's not always a given. So... Yeah, I mean, this, I feel like, shoot, Sue hits that. That's probably one of the more memorable shots it, yeah. in that building, in her career, in league history. And I kind of likened it to the Jermaine catch, Jermaine catch, Jermaine curse catch in Super Bowl 49. It was such a great catch. He bobbled it and everything, but nobody cares because he didn't win that game. And it ended in such horrific, horrific fashion. Uh, I know that's you know different scenarios, but still, it's a great play that probably won't be remembered as much. You and I will remember it because we were there, yeah. and because we're Seattle. But well, you know. I, and, and maybe I wouldn't be as upset if it felt like there was more effort even in overtime because it just felt like way too many. Because you got the first bucket, the and yeah. then I think Vegas went on a twelve-two run, and it's like oh. And Chelsea Gray had, I think, a career high 
for the playoffs. So, I mean, she was was cooking. (laughs) She had the hot hand. Everything was going in, regardless of how great the defense was. She just had better offense. And, um, yeah, it's tough because you would you would have liked to win that in regulation and not even have to go those extra five minutes. Um, And not to be said, Asia played all 45 minutes of that game. All 45 minutes. Yeah. And she another double double for her. So it's that's tough to defend. It's tough to go against. And to your point, you don't want to go five games against Vegas because of the high caliber team that they are. But now you're going to have to win this one at home and try to win one on the road in game five. Mm -hmm. So not in a great position. Um, How how confident do you feel right now? Even if you win game four, like you just said, going into Vegas against a team as deep as this is, uh, you know, coach of the year, Becky Hammond, you you are facing a very tough mountain to have to to summit. Um, so I, I, I the only way I can tell you is in numbers. I am like 30% chance. Oof. Yeah. It just if you can get Gabby Williams to play like the Gabby Williams at the end of the season, we saw if Stewie is able to get the Stewie and Tina are able to get the help that if, if you get greater, better game from Jewel, sure, you got a chance, but you have to take care of business tomorrow and then go into Vegas. And, and like yeah, you and said, like you've just, lost the last two games right. after taking the first game. So I know that you can. But that was after what what you said that Hammond said uh, about winning the first five minutes is is big because you look at it now. What in game one, you take the first punch. Game two, I don't remember as much. I think it was kind of back and forth, but I think Vegas might have had the edge. Vegas had the edge in the first quarter. And then game yeah. three, you know, I know that I think in the first five minutes it was fourteen to seven, but still the shooting numbers were way wacko in in favor of Las Vegas. So. Yeah, I'd say 30%. It's, 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 you know, just without demoralizing a loss like that, it, that can sink you, you know, but it's, if, if there's a team in the league that's going to be able to bounce back from it, uh, due to the veteran caliber that you've got, it's going to be Seattle. I mean, Sue Bird, Epiphany Prince, you know, John Tell Lavender's on this team, beyond January. There's a lot of veteran, there's a lot of playoff experience on this team. Even Stewie and Jewel, but I like in those other players because they've been around longer. Um, the So, yeah, that is, that is if there's a group that can do it, it's Seattle. But it, just because of how good this Vegas team is, maybe it's their time to reach the summit. They got there in 2020 and they got pummeled by us. You know, they didn't make it last year. Yeah. So maybe it's their time. There are teams of destiny. Maybe it's their time. But if there's history books and if there's a basketball god that likes Seattle, they'll find <laughs> a way to put Super on t- on top. So tomorrow could be Superbird's last home game. Oh gosh. So we'll I deal just with made that. My stomach turn. <laughs> we'll deal with that. Let's um, look at the injury news. Injury news. Our injury report for game two. Mercedes Russell still not seeing any minutes. Um, and then Gabby Williams was still out with that concussion. She did actually travel to be with the team, but she wasn't sitting on the bench for the game, still nursing that concussion. Um, game three out, of course, again, Mercedes Russell. We don't actually have any idea if she's going to see any minutes here, right? I doubt it. We're in yeah. semifinals and we have no idea. I think it just might be a yeah. 
Okay. And then John Tell Lavender would be placed on the injury list for a non-COVID illness. So um, missing her veteran leadership for sure. Um, on We move on to some team notes here. As I said, we had some Storm players named to the WNBA defensive teams. First team was Brianna Stewart. Second team were Ezzy Magbegor and Gabby Williams. So hoping to see Gabby get in the group of things better. I know we talked mm-hmm. about her. Maybe not being a hundred percent. Yeah. And then like being thrown in as a starter as well to this one. So I know that when I, I said, Hey, Gabby's starting, you're like, she's starting it's kind of like a surprise <laughs> moment. So yeah, I guess we'll see. These are into things. Come on. Um, moving on here. We mentioned game four, September 6th. That would be tomorrow. That's here at climate pledge. It's a 7 PM tip off. And then If necessary, fingers crossed, um, September 8th would be game five at Las Vegas. So not much of a break there. We move from playing Tuesday, they get one day and have to travel and then are right back in it and game five if if we make it. Well, even from Sunday to Tuesday. Sunday, Tuesday, yeah. One game, one day between, one day between. Got to feel all the feelings and just get into it. Yeah. So, hey. Yeah. We move on to our Sounders now. Keeping with the sort of playoff mm-hmm. aspirations kind of thing. You talked about mixed bag. We're really liking the mixed bag term. <laughs> uh, the head of the show, uh, the Sounders had a mixed bag week, uh, finishing up their little road trip uh, in Orlando and then coming home to play Houston yesterday, uh, August 31st at the Orlando Pride. This was a kind of gut-wrenching loss. Uh, so Seattle was down... Um, and then it was able to come back and tie things. And then they late goal in stoppage time loses it for you. You lose points. You could have had to draw. No. Uh, play of the game. I know there's three goals allowed, but Stefan Fry has not had the easiest run of things at the goalkeeper position, considering that the positions his defense have put him in. A 7.9 match rating, the highest for his team. He saved a penalty, had six total saves, one punch, and six recoveries. Um, that one's just, you know, tough. You blow it. And it's like, oh, shoot, you're even after the Portland loss. It's like you're even more you're digging yourself yeah, a big hole. Yeah. September 4th versus Houston back at home was a two to one win. Player of the game knew who finally scored <laughs> in six seasons um, with the MLS team. Knew who finally finds his goal. It would uh, Seattle would go down early. Uh, and then the second half knew who would get on the board. I believe it was on the 59th minute. Finally happened and kind of sparked things. You know, head coach Brian Schmetzer said after the game that they kind of got guys a little motivated, got guys a little bit excited. Knew who had not only the goal, he had an 8.9 match rating, the goal, and an assist on the game-winning goal by Freddy Montero with four total chances created. So, knew who finally scored, as you can see in the bottom banner. But now, so Seattle is mathematically alive. They are six points out of the, um, I believe it's the seventh and eighth spot in the Western Conference, which are two playoff spots, Portland, I believe it's Portland and Real Salt Lake. Um, so you're in ninth. You're six games out, six, sorry, six points out. That's two wins. You have to win out, essentially. I mean, if you want to be safe about things, I mean, you mm-hmm. could win a couple and then kind of play it safe and we'll kind of live on the edge. But, you know, ideally you like to win out. That doesn't get any easier as you play Austin next week, who mm-hmm. is the number two seed. And then um, Vancouver, after that's a rivalry game, so that shouldn't be easy necessarily. Uh, FC Cincinnati is looking in the same position. They're fighting to find a playoff spot, so they're not going to lay down. 
uh, and then you play a couple of teams that aren't exactly in the playoff hunt. So it's still possible. And, you know, there are always moments in like miraculous turnarounds or runs where it kind of starts. The NFL has a great, uh, like a show they would always run called NFL Turning Point. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Mm-mm. but it goes in like a specific part of the game where the game flipped, where like a big play was made, the pendulum swung the other way. This new, is this new goal something that does that? I'm really intrigued oh, to see. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, because you, again, you're so mathematically alive. So it's not like you've been eliminated. You know, it's it's impossible. You're like 10 points out. No, you're still technically within it. You just have to continue this form. And, you know, I know you're without your MVP candidate and Christian Roldan, but uh, you've got guys that have stepped up. Uh, Raul Roy Diaz is still healthy. Um, healthy enough to take pictures. <laughs> um, knew who being able to score was great. Uh, the defense looked solid outside of that one play where the the one goal that Houston scored, where they kind of got caught napping. So you're well, and the Houston's a bad team, so this should have been a win yeah. anyway. But it's still possible. So I'm not putting them to rest. I know I've been disappointed with them in weeks, but this could be the pendulum swinging proverbially. This could be it. So, so. but it starts with uh, Austin on Saturday. Which is not going to be an easy test. No, it's like, all right, we've got the big, like, it's when you play a game and you've got like the big road, you know, to the the final boss. You play like a pretty decent sized boss. It's like, oh, well, this doesn't get much easier, does it? So uh, you have to play the man. What, what, I think it was, uh, I think it was Ric Flair. If you want to be the man, you have to beat the man. So you kind of got to go through number two. Yeah. So. We'll see how that goes. Uh, no other team news or injury-related news for you, luckily. Um, all we've got next for you is uh, the Sounders sitting at an 11-win, 15-loss record with three draws on the season, ninth in the Western Conference, 36 points on the year, six out of a playoff spot. Their next match, as I mentioned, I should just leave the new who scored thing finally up there. Um, September 10th versus Austin FC that is at home, luckily, with a 5 p.m. kickoff. So that's that's big. That's number two seed in the West that's trying to keep your playoffs alive. So if you're able to, I know there's a Mariners game going on at the same time that Bell will be at, and I'll be over across the street. I hope we got a good crowd. hope we have a good weekend that day. Yeah, so, I hope so, too. Um, we will switch over here in a second to a little bit. It's, I mean, it's that's how it's kind of bit. been. Until we get to training camp, things are going to be quiet, I yeah. feel like, for these guys. But the small Kraken did make a small piece of news. Yeah. Uh, we have some team news. On August 30th, Kale Fleury resigned to a one-year deal for a two-way contract, and that's 750K AAV. Um, just a couple words here from Ron Francis. Kale took another step in his development last year, specifically with his offensive game while playing for Charlotte. We are excited that we have reached an agreement for Kale to return to the Kraken organization. I will say something. It's yeah, a yeah. little awkward because uh, so Kale has a brother named Hayden who was on the team with him last mm-hmm. year. There was some a few games where they played together. They didn't bring Hayden back. I think he went in. I think he signed with Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay, uh, not last year, but the two years before that, won the Stanley Cup. So it's like, oh, you're kind of falling up. Um, and Tampa Bay's still a good team. They'll make the playoffs yeah. this year. But kind of interesting that you bring the younger brother back um, and not not him. That's got to make for some interesting Thanksgiving dinner yep, conversation. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. But uh, you know, looking at it. 
he's young. I mean, he was uh, Seattle's pick from Montreal in the expansion draft last year, spending the majority of the time in AHL with the Checkers, totaling 33 points in 58 games. So I think he's still a little bit of a project. He's still younger. They're still working on him, and he should, with a two-way contract, he'll probably spend a lot of time in Coachella Valley with the Firebirds. We could, we'll probably see him here and there with injuries and yeah, we'll uh, see some potential. In him. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting though, to see how that goes, but yeah, a little bit awkward with not having uh, <laughs> Hayden brought back. So there's your small piece of cracking news. That's it. Um, as we head over to our rain who did not play this, this past week, week yeah. they're on international break, but on the 31st of August, uh, Megan Rapino was named NWSL player of the week. Uh, since returning from international duty the last time, so we had a little bookend, international duty, international duty. In that break, well, in that span, uh, from the end of the July, end of July till recently, Rapino started in four games consecutively, tallying four goals and three assists, so seven total points in those four games. Um, she has 44 goals and 20 assists all time in regular season play, moving her up to seventh all time in total goals. This is her first honor. For player of the week this season and the fourth for any rain player in 2022 it's her uh, eighth time receiving the award in her career tying her for the second most um of any nwsl player all time Yahoo. so way to go Pina. i i feel bad because what was it uh before the international break there are times where you know pino hasn't produced on the club level now, I know a lot of people know Pino for her time with the international team, uh, the World Cups. Yeah. This has been a great run. Seven points in four games um, and has really helped this team a lot, you know, in, you know, close games. I know in that, uh, I think it was the Louisville game helped win it late. Um, it's just incredible, you know, to see the seven points in four games. I keep going back to that. That's kind of carrying your offensive load and being like the main contributor. So that's really impressive. And to see her continue that form to help this team get to its for to help win its first NWSL title would be, I mean, great. I don't know how much more she wants to play. I know that, you know, uh, I don't with Sue retiring, <laughs> how much longer she'll want to play. Um, but it doesn't seem like she wants to stop anytime soon. So we'll yeah. see. But to see her continue this run of form will be huge, especially being able to be a mentor to the younger forwards and Jordan Heitzema still being someone that is able to uh, had that great assist to Bethany Balser last week or a few weeks ago now. So hats off to Pino. I mean, I'm, you know, and you have something you were going to say? Yeah, I'm going to ask Pino to be at the next Storm game because she wasn't there at this last one. And look at how that ended. That's true. I don't so. know if she'll be back in time from international duty. So we'll see if, if she's if she's <laughs> able to. I know she would. So we'll see about that. Um, but so the rain will get back to business this upcoming week. Uh, they set it a seven win, four loss, six draw record, sending fifth in the NWSL with 24 points. They're in a playoff spot, uh, two points out of second and four out of first. Their next matchup is September 9th versus the Chicago Red Stars uh, with a 7 p.m. start that is at Lumen Field. So I implore you to get out to those games, not only if you just like soccer, but this is a team that's also pretty dang successful. So um, we don't have any Seawolves news, not officially still working on. There's a piece of news that I'm working to get officially clarified mm. so they don't provide you the wrong information. Okay. No Dragons news. The XFL is dragging their feet. Um, dragging their feet? 
That was not intentional. <laughs> that was not intentional. We head over to Seattle Star of the Week. I do not blame you at all. Belle went with Nuhu for her Nuhu. Star of the Week. Yeah. Uh, how much of it is finally scoring? What what, were, what are your thoughts on Star of the Week here? For It's definitely finally scoring. I felt like I had to give Nuhu his flowers because, like you said, six career seasons and it's his first career goal. And I don't know if you saw the Sounders Twitter when Nuhu finally scored. That was a good video. <laughs> oh, I was, I was, you know, being in the press box for that game. There have been moments throughout the season where he's gotten close. Yeah. And they all jump. Like the, the oh, creative and the social team. And they, they finally got it. Yeah. And there was a good amount of excitement there. <laughs> so that was, that was fun. And it sparked a win. So it came at a really crucial time. So yes, hats off to Nuhu. Uh, that that was really fun. That was really fun. I was kind of like, as soon as he got the ball at his feet, I said, he might do it. Oh my God. It might happen. <laughs> Anticipating it. So uh, I could easily have gone with that. I could have agreed with you. I went with California Raleigh. Uh, past week in Cleveland was big, even in Detroit, you know, having some solid games and continues to just be a guy that I've been really impressed with at the catcher position. Not only that, Hitting wise, but defensively, he's improved. Um, he's had some really nice pickoffs. So I, I really solid, really happy with it. Um, and just hoping for that to continue as we head into sep- as we continue through September and get into October. Oh my so, gosh, September. I Sorry, I wasn't here last week when we had to go through the shock of it being end of August already and going into September. So. Getting back into things after being gone, right? So. <laughs> Uh, we will wrap things up here. Um, as always, you should be whatever we've got down here on my name. Make sure you're there. Uh, Belle's got us as well on Twitters and the Instagrams. When she's at games, we'll have some busy week ahead with the Mariners playing the Seahawks play on Monday night. So wow, we'll have to record that. And then that'll be uh, yeah. after that next week's episode. So yeah, we'll be able to do a, a season go by game by game. The Mariners play a pretty decently important homestand with the chance to increase their lead in the AL wildcard spot. The Storm are looking to keep their series alive against the Aces. Uh, that'll all take place over the course of the next week, wouldn't it? That's a lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Sounders play another game against the number two seed in the Western Conference. The Kraken are working on things. The rain get back to their uh, regular season as they look to increase their playoff uh, playoff seating. It's a busy weekend. There's a lot of things to do at week as well, but weekends. It's very important. Yeah. So I uh, want to thank our buddy Matthew behind the camera that's uh, directing for us today. Uh, Big O also helped out with that. We learned that <laughs> Matt's colorblind, so good with that there. We joke. Um, so thank everybody behind the camera when you do. Again, we joke. I just kind of sit here. I just sit here and I read the funny words and I talk about the sports and people don't like it when I'm just here by myself. So (laughs) for Charles Heimerker and Bill Garcia, this has been Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Until we see you next Monday, do whatever you can to make today a great day. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents.
Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.